Good morning, Sun Valley Church. I'm thankful that we can be again together in this way to uh, fellowship around the word. Uh, even though we're separated by distance, we can uh, be joined together in Christ around his word for great encouragement. I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit has for us today in uh, this passage of Philippians chapter two. If you have a Bible, I wanna encourage you to open it to that great chapter, Philippians chapter two that you heard read earlier. Uh, and I'm gonna uh, hopefully encourage your hearts this morning with, with the content of this passage. When I was 15 years old, I caught my first steelhead. It was an exciting time. Uh, my grandfather was with me when that happened, we were on the Scott River in Northern California. The reason I caught that, that fish was because of my grandfather. He had, he had taught me how to fish. He taught me how to hold the rod, how to cast, how to draw the line, how to set the hook and land the fish. I learned to fish from my grandfather. I learned the outdoors from a friend in Horse Creek, California. We spent every day after school together up in the mountains. We spent every Saturday together hiking all over the place. He taught me the difference between a raccoon track and a bobcat track, between a buck track and a doe track. He helped me understand the importance of wind when you're hunting. I learned the outdoors from my high school buddy. I learned Bible study methods from Dr. Kohlenberger at Multnomah School of the Bible when I was 19 years old. Week after week, he patiently explained the different ways to uncover God's word for myself. My point is that we learn things from people. Even if it's on YouTube, who you spend time with will determine what you're learning. Let me say that again. Who you spend time with will, deter will determine what you are learning. I'm sure you know that we become like the people we associate with. That's why Southerners talk like Southerners and the people from the UK have an English accent. God designed us this way to influence one another. We become like those we spend time with. When it comes to growing as a Christian, your influencers need to be people who know the scriptures, who know the word of God, who can take you deeper into your faith and show you how to apply his word in a practical way. We need these kind of people to help us grow in Christ. Do you have those kind of people in your life? We have many of those people available for you at Sun Valley Church. I hope you'll take advantage of that. The letter to the Philippians, that book we're studying now, now Philippians, uh, is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a young church in Philippi that he had planted. Everyone in that church was a new, young Christian. There were no seasoned saints in attendance. Everybody there was a new Christian. Paul had spent some time there teaching them the elementary truths of God's word. But he wasn't able to spend a lot of time there because he was on a mission to plant churches in Asia Minor. This group of Philippians had received Paul's teaching and turned from their, their secular and selfish ways to embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because they had personally experienced the transformative power of the gospel and the joy that comes with that gospel, they wanted to participate with Paul in bringing the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. It had had such an impact on them, they say, we wanna join you, Paul, now in spreading the good news. They desired to be partners in the gospel with Paul, but they were very young believers. There was no one there in Philippi to show them the way. How were they gonna learn something that they didn't know anything about, especially with Paul in prison 800 miles away in Rome? 
They didn't have YouTube. So what were they going to do? Well, Paul wrote this letter as an encouragement to them in their pursuit of joyful gospel partnership. I want you to turn back to chapter 1 in Philippians, and I want you to look at verses uh, 3, 4, and 5. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, speaking of the Philippians, always in every prayer of mine for all of you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul was convinced that they desired to be gospel partners. And he had written this letter to help them go down that path, to help them become better skilled at gospel partnership. Now look at verse 27 in that same first chapter. He says this to them, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He wrote this letter to instruct them how to become side by side gospel partners with Paul and Timothy. So through the sacrificial work of Paul, the Holy Spirit began to develop this desire in the hearts of the Philippians to be partners with Paul in the work of the gospel. Paul knew God had begun this good work in them. Remember back in verse 6? Paul knew that God had begun this work in them, and so he wanted to nurture them in this gospel partnership skill development. This is why he wrote the letter. At the beginning of chapter 2, Paul tells them what partners in the gospel look like. Look at the first few verses in chapter 2. It says that they had a common purpose. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. They had a common cause, and that cause, of course, was the cause of Christ, the gospel. It says they were united in their goal, and the goal was what? To make much of Christ at every opportunity. And they were people who didn't pursue selfish interests. Look at the next verse, verse 4, or 3 rather. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so we have Paul here telling the Philippian believers what gospel partners look like, what they do in verse 27. They stand side by side for the faith of the gospel, fighting for the advancement of the gospel, and then in verses two through four in chapter two of what kind of people they need to be. They need to be humble, pursuing a common cause, united in goal, considering others more important than themselves. Then Paul used the greatest example, if you'll remember, the greatest example of this kind of mindset in verses five through eight of chapter two. You remember this, let me read them for you. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Paul is saying we must be and do things just like Jesus. We learn by example. I learned how to cast by watching the example of my, grandpa, my grandpa. People need examples to learn what gospel partners look like, how they operate. Today, we're gonna to look at three examples 
found in verses 17 through 30 of chapter 2, where Paul gives this, these three examples of selfless, joyful gospel partners. These are instructive examples that Paul uses so that we will imitate them. Verses 17 through 30 illustrate what we should do. We should strive side by side for the faith of gospel and how we should be. We should be selfless, humble, others-oriented type of people. So the first example is Paul himself in verses 17 and 18. The second example is his protege Timothy in verses 19 through 24. And then we have Epaphroditus as the last example in verses 25 through 30. Today I want to look at each of these examples of gospel partnership and my intent of course is to help you measure your life by these examples and to go beyond just measuring your life by these examples but imitate these examples. That's why Paul included them. As Thomas Brooks once wrote, example is the most powerful rhetoric. I may not be able to or I may be able to persuade you to become Christ-like gospel partners but Powerful examples may do the trick. John MacArthur wrote, the single most important aspect of spiritual leadership is having a godly life to emulate. So Paul presents three godly lives to imitate, to emulate. Let's look at Paul first in verses 17 and 18. Philippians chapter two, verses 17 and 18. Paul said, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul here is the example of joy in the midst of sacrifice. Joy in sacrifice. You and I know that if there is any biblical character that is a model of sacrificial service, it's Paul. His sacrifices are well documented. He enthusiastically committed himself to spending his entire life for the cause of Christ. On top of all this sacrifice, though, we see, as I just read for you in verses 17 and 18, that he would have had overflowing joy. There is no honor in sacrifice for sacrifice's sake. Joy was the pursuit and result of his sacrifice. Jesus himself said, that he did what he did for the joy that was set before him. Paul offered himself as an example of what it means to be a gospel partner. He even told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, be imitators of me, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Now back to verse 17, you'll see the phrase being poured out as a drink offering. That comes from one Greek word that refers to an offering that was poured onto the burnt offering after it had been burned up. The drink offering would evaporate instantly in vapor as soon as it touched the burning hot coals. Paul was saying that his life work was nothing compared to the main offering of Christ Jesus. Paul was referring to his sacrificial gospel ministry. He was simply following Christ and Christ's example. The Philippians were familiar with Paul's missionary service, of course, he began their church. He was the one who evangelized them, who led them to Christ. You remember, Paul was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was imprisoned there in Philippi. The Philippians knew he had sacrificed. They knew he had put his or their interests before his own. But all this suffering brought Paul great joy. That's the point I want to make. This, this sacrifice, this suffering, brought great joy to the Apostle Paul, and, and ours should do the same. 
And, and this joy was a result of seeing the Philippians come to Christ, learn to partner with him in the gospel ministry for the glory of Jesus across the globe. Can you say with Paul and with the Philippians that the sacrifices you've made for the advancement of the gospel have brought you joy? I know that, that your sacrifices, our sacrifices, in what we've done over the past 17 years here uh, at Sun Valley Church, because of the grace of mercy of God, brings us great joy. Many of you have told me how much joy you've received from participating in this gospel partnership at Sun Valley Church, and that brings me great joy. I know that you can honestly say, yes, our sacrifices for the gospel have brought us joy. Unfortunately, many Christians are only happy when their circumstances are favorable. I hope that's not you. When things go bad, they become unhappy or even bitter. The only things that bring happiness are the things that increase their own selfish interests. I think that so few Christians know Paul's kind of joy because so few Christians are willing to trust God for this kind of sacrifice. And since they're unwilling to trust God through difficulty that, that sacrifice inevitably brings, they miss out on the joy that accompanies that kind of faithful living. Those two things go together, sacrifice and joy. These type of Christians don't really believe what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. He said this, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Nothing compares to the eternal weight of glory that we brought on by the suffering, the temporary mild suffering really that we have to endure. You see, Paul wasn't just putting on a show. This wasn't a fake joy. He was honestly rejoicing at his own sacrifice. He believed and experienced the truth that great sacrifice brings great joy. He wasn't afraid of pain or loss because he knew God could be trusted to bring about the fruit of joy from every seed of sacrifice that was planted. 2 Corinthians 7, 4, I am acting with great boldness towards you, Paul said. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in all of affliction. I'm overflowing with joy. You see, Paul's sacrifice resulted in joy. What an example to follow. Are you willing to take on a little difficulty, a little sacrifice for that, that blessing of joy that far outweighs the sacrifice? That's what we learn from Paul's example. Let's look at the second example that Paul uses in verses 19 through 24. He says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will be going with me. This is the second example of what a gospel partner would look like. Timothy had a Christ-like gospel partner mindset and it affected his entire outlook of life. All throughout this recommendation that I just read for you from 17 to 24, uh, Paul deliberately echoes previous, previously used ideas in his letter. 
In verse 20, he literally said, I have no one else who is equal souled or like-minded. I have no one else like him. That word like him actually literally is equal souled. We see the same words used in chapter two, verse two, where we are told to be of one accord or full accord. And in 127, we are to be of one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Paul intentionally used these words describing Timothy so that they remember this is what gospel partners are like. Paul said that being gospel partners requires us to be equal souled or one souled. Paul said Timothy had a soul that was equal to his own. Paul knew Timothy's heart. He knew that Timothy had a heart for the gospel, that he had a heart for people. In fact, Timothy's gospel-focused heart came from being mentored by Paul. In spending a lot of time with Paul, he became just like Paul. He had the same love for God, the same love for God's word, the same love for God's people, the same love for evangelism, the same zeal. He was equal-souled. Are you measuring? Are you measuring your life, friend, against these examples? A joyful sacrifice, an equal-souled gospel partner? Then I want you to look at verse 4 of chapter 2. There, he, he exhorted the Philippians to look to the interests of others. And so Paul said this very same thing about Timothy in verse 21. Timothy is someone who is gospel partner because he's looking to the interests of you, not to the interests of his own. Timothy was very interested in the welfare of the Philippians. Paul was using this terminology very intentionally. He wanted the Philippians to recall the example of Jesus Christ. He wanted to, the Philippians to recall what he had said just a few paragraphs earlier about what it took to be a gospel partner. Paul was saying that Timothy was a gospel partner just like Jesus. If you want to be a gospel partner, you must act like Jesus. You must prioritize what Jesus prioritizes. Timothy was genuinely concerned for the welfare of others, particularly the Philippians, just as Jesus is, in contrast to other believers in Rome who were not. You know, there was a church in Rome. Paul could have chosen any of them to send, but he chose Timothy. What fueled Timothy's fire for the Philippians wasn't some mustered-up zeal or a desire to impress the apostle Paul. What fueled his fire was an interest in what interested Jesus. Look at verse 21. For they all, that is, those who don't have other people's interests, they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Timothy, though, was interested in what Jesus is interested in. Timothy's love and concern for the Philippians was his personal love and commitment to Jesus Christ. Oh, friends, we may have great affinity with one another. We may genuinely care for each other's welfare. But what's going to keep us going as a church in the arena of sacrificial living is not our natural affinity for one another, but our love and commitment to, to Jesus Christ. Having the mind of Christ is simply being concerned for and committed to the eternal well-being of God's people. Instead of being motivated by your own interests or the interest of your children, 
Our primary motivation to use our resources, which is our time and our money, must be our love for Jesus Christ himself. I love you and you love me because we love Jesus, is what Timothy demonstrated. Now I want you to look at verse 22 here in chapter 2. I want you to notice that Paul said that Timothy had served with him as a son with a father. Now, Tim, this was not just sentimental language about Paul and Timothy's close relationship. No, Paul wanted the Philippians to know, and the Holy Spirit, I think, wants us to know, that there was another son who took the form of a servant to serve with his father to bring about the eternal plan of salvation. These were intentionally used words. Paul had many Christians in Rome to choose from, like I said, that he could have sent to Philippi, but he chose Timothy. He, the other believers didn't match the kind of mind of Christ that Timothy did. They weren't the kind of gospel partners that Timothy was. There was Brutus, a great guy, but he was too concerned about physical fitness and presenting a good image of himself to anybody that would look. He was also very intent on impressing his boss at work, hoping to get some kind of an advancement or raise. Then there was Anastasia, who faithfully served in the church choir there in Rome, but she was so wrapped up in social media that she couldn't bear the thought of being out of Wi-Fi range for more than an hour. She wouldn't have never made it to Philippi. Then there was Johann, who was also faithful to Sunday services and even faithful in his giving to the church there in Rome, but he was consumed with building his retirement so that he could have a second home in Florence. He couldn't be genuinely concerned for the Philippians. He was too concerned with his own financial advancement and well-being. Finally, Paul considered the last possibility besides Timothy of Elizabeth. Maybe she could go. She served in Rome well, but she was so wrapped up in her, in her own life and the lives of her children that she couldn't serve faithfully for more than eight weeks without having to bail out so she could fulfill the requirements of idolizing her children and grandchildren. Thankfully, Paul had Timothy. Friends, are you genuinely, concern, genuinely concerned for the eternal well-being of the people at Sun Valley Church? Does your service to them reflect that? Are you putting their interests above your own like Jesus Christ did, like Paul did, like Timothy did? Paul wants to strengthen us as gospel partners. The aim of this whole letter is to develop a church full of wholehearted, single-minded, joyful gospel partners who are of the same mind, having the same love, being single-souled like Jesus, Paul, and Timothy. Just think of what could happen if we had 15 people like Timothy at Sun Valley Church. Or what if we had 50 people like Timothy at Sun Valley Church? Hold on, what if we had 250, just like Timothy, who were gospel partners for the cause of Christ? What would Sun Valley Church look like? What would Yakima look like? Finally, Timothy was also available. You know, that's pretty simple. Well, it is, but unfortunately, it's not very common. We are so busy as American Christians it's difficult to be available for anything. But Paul said that Timothy was available because he was going to send him to Philippi. Many times Christians fail to serve because they simply aren't available. 
In order to be a great gospel partner with Christ, you must be available. Your schedule can't be so full of everything from top to bottom that you have no margin to be available to serve. Finally, let's look at Paul's final and third example of a gospel partner. This is found in verses 25 through 30. Let me read these for you. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you had heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men as him, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete that which was lacking in your service to me. <laughs> what an example of gospel partnership. Epaphras had a very important job to do because of how prison systems worked in Paul's day. Unless friends and family came to meet the needs of prisoners, they didn't survive. It was up to them. The Philippians, of course, knew this, and so they helped Paul continue his gospel ministry in prison in Rome, writing and preaching and teaching by financially supporting Paul, sending a financial gift with Epaphroditus. All Epaphroditus had to do was to take the gift and deliver it to Paul in Rome. It was an easy task, but very mundane. Epaphroditus, it's real simple. Take this bag and give it to Paul. Epaphroditus is someone we can all relate to, isn't he? He's not a big gospel star like Timothy or Paul. He's a regular Joe. Timothy was a high-profile church planter. Not lowly gopher Epaphroditus. Timothy was a well-known personality in the first century. Every church knew of Timothy. He's, in many of, he's, he's listed in many of Paul's letters. Epaphroditus was a regular guy from Philippi. Just a regular guy. Very ordinary. All Epaphroditus had to do was to take the money that they had raised and give it to Paul. I, I can see it now. At a church meeting in Philippi, they had raised the money. They said, now how are we going to get it there? Epaphroditus was sitting there and he said, I'm, I'm available. I'll go. Send me. Epaphroditus volunteered for the mission, knowing its risks. He put his life on the line because he knew what was at stake. What was at stake? The advancement of the gospel was at stake. He willingly put himself in harm's way to accomplish what was needed. He didn't shy away because of the danger or because of the potential loss of his free time or the interruption of his schedule. He said, I'm available, send me. Sounds a little bit like Isaiah. Sounds like Samuel, it's Timothy, Paul, Epaphroditus. His job was the equivalent to stacking chairs in the commons of our church or making coffee on Sunday mornings before anybody gets here or, or locking up the building after everybody is gone or watering the flowers around the property. Small but important tasks, gospel tasks, yes, gospel tasks. Unfortunately, Epaphroditus got really sick in completing this task, Paul mentioned it twice, but Epaphroditus pushed on, realizing the importance of this job that he was given to do. 
menial job, may I say. You can hear the doctors now recommending that he take it easy for the sake of his health. Epaphroditus, you're really sick. You better settle down or it's going to cost you. But Epaphroditus knew his role, the importance of his role. He knew how much rested on the success of his mission. The gospel going forth rested on the success of his mission, as simple as it was. If he failed, Paul wouldn't have the resources to keep up his ministry, even from jail. I think we need to take a close look at Epaphroditus' sacrifice in his life here that's recorded. We can obviously see he wasn't a fanatic. He wasn't trying to be seen as a martyr. He wasn't trying to make a big deal about his determination to help Paul. But once he got sick, he didn't roll up his night sack and head for the closest exit. He didn't call it off once he got the sniffles. What we see here is the critical importance that we each need to recognize the need to prioritize the gospel ministry in our lives. We wake up on Sunday morning sometimes, it seems as if it's drizzly, we say, yeah, it's, it's drizzly, we, we should probably stay home. If we wake up on Sunday morning and it's sunny, ah, it's sunny, finally, let's go out and enjoy the sun. Not Epaphroditus, not someone who has the mind of Christ, not someone who's a gospel partner. Notice what Paul calls Epaphroditus in verse 25. Do you see that in verse 25? First he says he's a brother. Epaphroditus was a brother because he knew Jesus Christ and had put his trust in him. This means that he was a member of the family of God. Paul knew this because of the fruit displayed in Epaphroditus' sacrificial service. Jesus said that you would know them by their fruit. And oh, what fruit we see in Epaphroditus. Your sacrificial service, friends, is the fruit of the presence of God in your life. Have you sacrificed for the cause of Christ, for the advancement of the gospel? It is a fruit of the presence of God in your life, if that's the case. He then calls him a fellow worker. Epaphroditus was a hard worker. He was a gospel partner who was sacrificing to get a job done. He was doing what needed to be done, even though it was menial. It wasn't glamorous at all. G. Oswald Sanders said, fatigue is the price of leadership and mediocrity is the result of never getting tired. Friends, we have plenty of mediocre Christians. What we need is some fellow workers. And then Paul concludes by saying, Epaphroditus is a fellow soldier, not just a brother, not just a fellow worker. He's a fellow soldier because he was acting like soldiers do pushing on through hardship, through, through uh, danger, putting his life on the line, prioritizing the objective, which was the gospel ministry. Not only did Epaphroditus work with Paul, he fought with Paul. He was an example of standing side by side for the faith of the gospel. He moves beyond hard work to hard work that is costly. When I was a youth pastor at a former church, I asked a seasoned Christian of that church if he'd be willing to help me in the youth ministry. And his answer was this, I've already put in my time, let the other people do it. I'm on cruise control. The scriptures never speak of putting in your time or having done enough and then taking it easy the rest of your life. Even if you're one who has been retired for quite some time, 
Does gospel partnership ever end? It never ends until you stop breathing. Paul honored Epaphroditus with this description, this final one. He's a fellow soldier. And he alerted the Philippians that they had a warrior in their midst. And he said, honor him. I find it interesting that Paul put no qualifiers on his recommendations of Epaphroditus. Paul could have said, hey, Philippians, listen, once you get this letter, you need to really make sure that Epaphroditus isn't overdoing it. He has a tendency to, to be fanatical. He's a little legalistic. From time to time, you need to help him be balanced. Just watch out for our, our weak brother, would you? He never says that about Epaphroditus. He never says that Epaphroditus is frail. No, what's he say? He says this, honor such men. Honor such men. They deserve our respect and our honor. They're hard workers. They're fellow soldiers. And what Epaphroditus did was noteworthy because it's Christ-like to put your life on the line for the sake of the gospel. It's Christ-like to put others' needs before your own. In our day, we would hear people say, put yourself first. You need a little me time. You need to spend so much more time with your family. We applaud this kind of determination in athletes and diligent employees, but we demean it when it comes to Christians who want to work hard for the cause of Christ. Epaphroditus' example makes us ask ourselves some important questions. Are we like him? Paul included him as an example to encourage our imitation. Am I like Epaphroditus? Am I like Timothy? Am I like Paul in my gospel partnership? Am I striving side by side for the faith of the gospel? When John Patton was planning to go as a missionary to the South Sea Islands in the 19th century, an older Christian from his home church tried to discourage his fanaticism by saying, you'll be eaten by cannibals, Patton. And Patton replied, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave. They are to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make little difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in that great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. Friends, that's the mind of Christ. That's a gospel partner. These are the kind of examples that we must imitate. Oh, Sun Valley, this is my prayer for us, for you, for me, that we will be gospel-minded people, that we'll be partners in the gospel ministry for the glory of Christ and for our own joy. Pray with me now, would you? Oh, Lord Jesus, we come up so short so many times. I, I ask that you would grant mercy on us, frail Christians, unwilling to really give up much of our own interests. God, I pray that you would do a work of grace in the lives of us at Sun Valley Church so that we would be these kind of people that, that make much of Christ at every opportunity, that look to others' interests before our own, that are shining examples of what it means to be a partner in the gospel. Lord Jesus, do this for us. Use us for your glory. Bless us as a church, Father. 
And I pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who did all these things before us. Amen.